When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. West Virginia baseball coach Randy Mazie met with media earlier today to discuss his team. The Mountaineers will begin the campaign on Friday, February 19th at Georgia State in Atlanta, Georgia. The Mountaineers will play a four-game series against Georgia State February 19th through February 21st. Mountaineers are ranked 21st in the latest NCBWA baseball poll and are also 14th in the Division I baseball poll. Listen to what Coach Maisie had to say coming up right after this. West Virginia is a special place, but it's the people that make it special. Honestly, it is the crowd, it's the people. This is one of the great environments. There are no pro teams in the state of West Virginia. They love West Virginia sports right here. This is the most underrated fan base in the country. Grass Resource State of West Virginia is not coal. Grass Resources is people. Join the climb today at WVUTimetoClimb.com. You've always been really good at getting your guys motivated um, for a lack of respect. And then I look this year, I see you're 14th in one poll, uh, you're 21st in, in another poll. How are you going to get your guys, what are you going to use to get your guys mad this year that you haven't been able to use in the past or you've been able to use in the past? I don't have a problem making them mad. I do that literally on a daily <laughs> basis. So making them mad is not the issue, but 
you know, things have changed a little bit. You know, it's as you guys know, West Virginia always fighting for national respect. And, and uh, when you get some, it's like you got to reverse strategies and, and teach them that, you know, if you're, if you're going to be ranked that high and people think that highly of you, then you can't afford to ever take a day off from, from trying to be that good, you know, whether it be baseball or sleep or nutrition or something like that. It, you're not sneaking up on people the way we used to back in the old Holly Field. You know, you got you to gotta show up and be ready to play every day regardless of who's on the schedule. Next is Skylar Callahan. Hey, Randy. Uh, Aaron Fitt from D1 Baseball was telling us the other day that he believes both Ryan Berger and Jackson Wolf are probably one of the best one-two punches, not only the Big 12, but the country. Uh, what do you think about their their maturation over the last few years and uh, just what, what you expect out of them this season? Uh, yeah, it's no longer a one-two punch. It's just a one punch because Berger's out for the year. Uh, but Wolf has matured a lot. You know, he was kind of always in the shadow of Alec Manoa, you know, his whole career. And Manoa got the limelight. And Wolf just needed, uh, as that was happening, get uh, more mature and bigger and stronger. And once Manoa left, I think Jackson took it upon himself to, uh, uh, to try and be the guy on this staff. And uh, he started off... Uh, really good last year. I think he won three or four games early on and pitched really well. And I actually think he's better right now than he was last year. We made a few more adjustments with him and and uh, he's pitching really well right now. So I'm, I'm expecting him to have a pretty good year. Joe Bricado is next. Randy, given the uncertainty with how many Big 12 games you guys would play, how much of a challenge was it to get your schedule set for this year? You know, I don't, I don't know that it was a challenge. It was a more of a scramble because, you know, the people that make those decisions, they're focused on football up until Christmas, you know, and, and then they start focusing on basketball and, Rightfully so, with those two sports, you got to try and get those two right first. So by the time you get around to baseball, you're within a month of the season. So it was a lot of Zoom calls in a short period of time to try and figure out the schedule. But and we eventually got it right. So I think uh, I think we're in a good place with what the Big Twelve has decided, and uh, I think we have a chance to uh, hopefully get all of our games in. Go to Kevin Kinder. And you were talking about your schedule earlier and making it up, and I guess you know the COVID considerations and the people around you not playing as many. You're really front loaded with a lot of out of conference games. I think, and you've got like seven games in one 10 day stretch and 12 in a 17 day stretch. Do you look at that as, hey, this is our chance to see what our young pitchers are like, see who can help us down the road? I would guess. A lot of those guys are going to get some innings early. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, we have a little bit of depth on this team. Uh, big time wallpaper behind you, by the way. Uh, That's my wife's, not me. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> but no, we, uh, yeah, we like to try and play a lot of games early because that's when 
that's when you see the young arms and see what they're capable of and see who can you, you can use once conference starts. And, you know, our, our schedule is a little bit, we don't have as many games this year. You'll see that uh, not as many midweek games in April and May as we're accustomed to. So once you get into conference, you know, you can hopefully roll through a conference series with, you know, seven or eight guys on a weekend if the starters pitch well. So that leaves a lot less innings for those young guys to pitch once you start conference. So you need to know who you can count on uh, when you get late in the year. And the only way to know that is to pitch them all early. So we're gonna we're gonna get down where we go and playing four games opening weekend, get a chance to to see everybody and uh, you can tell a lot more about a pitcher when he pitches against another team outside than when he pitches against his own team and in the indoor facility. So that's kind of why we always front load the, the schedule like that. We'll go to Sam Coniglio. Go ahead, Sam. Coach, um, it looks like this season you have a high volume of freshmen coming into the program. How, diff how different and how difficult was it integrating those guys in the team? And who are you particularly excited about for this season? You know, we weren't, uh, it wasn't hard to integrate them. I think the reason we have a lot of freshmen is because we have this year's freshmen and last year's freshmen are still freshmen. So that's gonna that's gonna create some issues as that huge class gets older uh, as far as roster management. But uh, yeah, we have, you know, Jake Carr last year was off to a really good start. Uh, he's a COVID freshman and Matt McCormick is a COVID freshman. so. Those guys throw in Victor Scott, who got some valuable experience. Those guys are going to be a major part of what we got going on right now. And uh, you know, with with this year's class, the new guys uh, got some pitchers with some really good arms. Uh, Carlson Reed and Tyler Chadwick are guys you're probably going to see on the mound. Some uh, got a graduate transfer from Wofford that uh, looks like he's going to be a, a lineup guy for us. So. We didn't lose much. We only had three seniors and got a whole new class in. So uh, we didn't need a, a ton of help. Uh, Zarb really was the only guy we lost out of the lineup. And Zarb and Dylan Meadows were the only guys we lost off the mound. So don't need a ton of help, but I, I think we got enough help out of those classes to fill in. Michael Sussman. Um, Coach, this is just kind of a general question, but for those freshmen, those younger guys that you just mentioned, what do you think the most difficult adjustment is going from high school to the Big 12 conference? Uh, obviously, the level of competition, you know, especially the, the small town kids that, you know, were all superstars in their high school and struck out 15 a game. And, you know, you, you can't get away with that here. You, you've got to learn how to win. You know, you look back at the on our 2019 team that was a really good team. Uh, Manoa, I think, won 10 games. Nick Snyder ended up winning nine or 10 games. But those guys didn't do that their first year here. Manoa had to fight through his freshman year. and Nick Snyder, the year before that season, had four appearances in which he never finished an inning. I had to go get him. I put him in the game and had to go get him before the inning was over. So. Uh, 
playing in the Big 12 is a learning process. It doesn't matter if you throw 100 and have great stuff or can hit. You, you've got you've to learn how to hit and how to pitch. And that's what, uh, that's what you try and speed these freshmen up, uh, uh, their timeline as far as that goes. So a lot of it rests on them, you know, how, how serious do they want to be about this, how early in their career. Back to John. Hey, Coach, what was the biggest challenge of putting the schedule together, and how much did consideration for pauses uh, play into the way it was? Uh, it shakes out. Uh, the the midweek games are obviously the toughest because there's only a few leagues that are playing three game weekends. Us and the ACC and the SEC are really the only three in our area, to my knowledge, that are playing three-game weekends. So all the other conferences that are playing four-game weekends in conference, they're not going to play a midweek game, you know, if they've got four games on a weekend. So uh, that's the reason you only see, uh, you know, once conference starts, I think the only midweek game on our schedule is Pitt because they're playing three-game weekends. So... You know, we're going to maybe hope for some cancellations early in the year and and maybe the, the Big Ten will come to their senses and change their mind and start playing outside competition. And and we still reserve the right to play those games in April and May. We just, it's impossible to schedule them with a team that's playing four games. But if a team gets coveted out on a four-game weekend and is looking to play on a Tuesday or Wednesday, we still have... Uh, plenty of options available for that. And I think that's probably going to happen if history repeats itself with with COVID here. There's going to be some weekends that are canceled probably and teams looking for games later in the year. Go ahead, Skyler. Hey, Coach, what does it say about the strength of this league when you – you guys are predicted, or you're, you're picked to be 14th in the country right now, but you're also picked to finish sixth in the league. <laughs> That's probably about right. You know, the sixth place team in our league is probably should be in the top 20, you know, because we've got all the experience back. And it, it wasn't from our senior class because we had a small senior class, but we've got several guys on the team right now that wouldn't be here if the draft would have been a normal draft. Uh, you know, Jackson Wolf and Tyler Domes and and Tyler Chadwick coming in and Adam Tullock coming in. Those guys probably would have signed pro in a regular draft. So that, that gives us four really good experienced players that uh, we think are going to have success here and have proven success here. But, you know, the other part of, it is, of that is that all the other Big 12 teams are in the same situation. They've got four or five or more kids that they weren't expecting to have on their team. So the talent level at the power five level is going to be through the roof this year. So I think every team in the league is probably going to say this is the best team they've had in a while. Okay, next is Carly Nevis. I was going to ask you the big 12 question, so I'll uh, think of another one. Um, does Brophy feel like a really old guy on the team right now since he's, you know, um, coming in with people who just graduated from high school? And 
how has he developed into a leader because he's been in college for a million years now? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I try not to get into the heads of players and try and figure out what they're thinking. But yeah, as we all look at Brophy, he's the butt of all the uh, jokes about happy 29th birthday. You know, it's, uh, we've been here. Brophy, you were a sophomore when I got here eight years ago, that whole thing. But uh, he's got a great temperament and a great personality and kind of gravitates toward the new guys in the program because of his, uh, the way he handles things. And, and I think they look to him from work ethic and how to get through this and how to practice that type of thing. His, his leadership qualities with young guys are probably his strongest asset on this team. So uh, yeah, it's it's good to have him around. He kind of buffers those uh, freshmen right now. And, and it, this is a tough time to be a freshman in college. You know, it's, you, you've got no social life, obviously, which is good from a baseball standpoint, but kids are kids, you know, and, and they need a social life and they need interaction and, you know, they need to be around people, but they can't you know, so it's pretty tough on them. But I've said from the beginning with this team, the the team with the least amount of positive tests is probably going to have a better year uh, this year. So if we can manage to stay clean and all the good players we feel like we have are playing all the time, then I think we have a chance to have a good year. But if we get five or six guys wiped out and have to shift positions and put guys out there that, aren't used to playing at a certain position, then it could be a free-for-all. So we're uh, we're trying to do everything we can to, to keep these guys clean and, and guys like Brophy uh, really help when it comes to that. We'll go Sam and then John. Coach, if I could follow up with uh, about Ryan Berger, what exactly uh, was the situation that took him out for the season? And while we're on the topic, how is the overall health of the rest of the team going into the season? Uh, Ryan Berger's out for the year, and Tevin Tucker, our shortstop's out for the year. Uh, they both had surgery. Tevin had surgery about a week and a half ago, and Berger had surgery in December. Okay, John. Curious, you know, we asked you this, I think, last, and maybe in the summertime or the spring about the backlog of players. Um, is, the, is the sport adjusted to that yet? Is that still going on? Because I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of good kids. They're going to have a hard time finding spots on teams because of the backlog. Yeah, no doubt. I think that, uh, I don't know. You'd like to think that they thought that through when they <laughs> – allowed everybody to get a year back, that that was going to create that backlog that isn't going to go away for a while for us. You know, we had, I think we had 12 freshmen last year on the team and 12 or 13 come in this year. So 25 freshmen on a team when you have a 35-man roster, that, that math doesn't work. So in a nutshell, kids are going to be looking for places to go. So the transfer portal in baseball is really going to blow up because, you know, all those freshmen that were coming in expecting, you know, Tevin Tucker and Tyler Dones and Wolf and those guys not to be here to create opportunities for them. Now those guys are back and 
a lot of these incoming guys that thought they were going to play right away aren't going to get to play right away. And in today's world, you know how kids are. If they don't play right away, somewhere else where they can play right away. So, uh, yeah, it's going to – the unintended consequences of giving everybody a year back is going to show up uh, through the transfer portal here in the next uh, three, four, and five years. And, Coach, real quick, um, you, the other confusing part of this is the draft, and you don't know what form it's going to eventually take before you could – some of those guys would get absorbed uh, through the draft, but now you don't know what that's going to be, uh, particularly for those lower-level guys. Yeah, for sure. And But, you know, baseball coaches have a history of being able to adjust to stuff like that. You know, we've been we've been dealing with managing rosters because of draft and transfers and and all that stuff for uh, as long as I can remember. So that's something we're accustomed to. Uh, it's just a it's just a shame that uh, not as many kids are going to make teams as they thought they were. So all the kids that uh, for the last two or three years that have been committed to a school and thought their career was going to start and end at a particular school, uh, that's not going to happen near as much as it used to. We'll take these final few questions in the queue. Go ahead, Kevin. Um, Coach, you mentioned Hudson transferring in. Looks like he's really kind of an all-around player, but a bigger bat too. What you know does he bring to you? Do you have an idea? You know where he positions in the lineup. What he can help you with? No, not yet. You know we we signed him because of his analytics. Believe it or not, you guys probably are aware of how much I love technology and all that stuff. If you follow me on, I don't know what's it called, Twitter. Yeah, if you follow me on Twitter and Insta, all that Snap stuff and Insta stuff. I hate technology, but but he was the analytics guy, one of the top 20 analytics guys in the country as far as batting average, walks, strikeouts, that type thing. But when you see him, you know, he presents himself as a guy who can hit doubles and homers. But when you dig into the analytics, you know, his on-base percentage and his walk-to-strikeout ratio, you know, makes him valuable really in any spot in the lineup. It's not out of the realm of possibility that a big guy like him that can't run very well might hit leadoff for us, which would be interesting to say the least. You'd like to think a leadoff guy can run a little bit, but if you don't get on first base, you can't run very far after that. So uh, he's a guy that draws a lot of walks and, and in that leadoff position, that's, that's what you want. Randy, with what Jake Carr gave you in four starts last season, does that give kind of him a run-up to potentially earning a weekend starting spot, or, or does everybody kind of start back from square one? Yeah, everybody starts from square one every year, but it's hard to ignore what he did last year. And I mean, if if he was if he had regressed a little bit, that'd be one thing. But he's just gotten he's gotten better from last year, so. And since last year, so yeah, he he started off great, and he's going to be right in the mix on the weekends uh, this season as well. You know, the only thing you don't know about our pitching staff from last year is we didn't face any Big Twelve teams. You know, so uh, we didn't 
I wouldn't say that we strapped it on with any teams that are considered high powered offenses, you know, so that that part has yet to be determined which of our guys can can stifle a high powered offense. And Michael and John will be our final two. Go ahead, Michael. Coach, so far in practice, how have the live ABs gone? Have the pitchers kind of had the edge more? Have some guys been driving it pretty well? How, how's that gone? Yeah, you know, depends on where we play. You know, if you play in an indoor practice facility, it's way more conducive to the pitchers uh, because it's, it's not the easiest place in the world to hit. But when you play outside, you know, then hitters have been driving some balls. But this time of the year, you – you always, you want to pitch good, you know, because you know that your offense over time is going to settle into uh, where it is. So when we start the season, we want to, we want to pitch better because pitchers are pitchers. You know, they're going to, uh, they don't get, they don't progress over the course of the season like the hitters have a cap capability of doing. So uh, I know we have a good offensive club even if we're not showing it currently, or even if we don't show it the first 10 games, by the time we get our feet under us and get outside and start playing more games, that's when the offense catches up to the pitching. But you want your pitchers to be good from, from day one. It, it's pretty tough to lose a game if the other team doesn't score. John, we'll finish up with you. Yeah, um, you mentioned something that kind of piqued my interest um, about the quality of the Big 12. And I guess from a bigger view, do you think the quality of the game has improved maybe to the level of, of maybe even lower professional since you've got so many good kids now on rosters? And I know you're a big proponent of growing the sport. Do you think we could see a lot of high-level baseball this year because you've got so many good players? Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, baseball this year is going to be way better, even even from the mid-major teams that, you know, still hung on to a guy that might have been a, you know, 22nd round pick, you know, that was a really good senior pitcher that that didn't get drafted, didn't sign as a free agent. Now he's back. So I think the, the level of baseball in general is going to be a lot better. And if we could ever get that season pushed back to the summertime, then I think that's the next step. Uh, for our game to to grow and and even be uh, a better game all around. And it's just, you know, getting more talented kids to come to college. That's what it's all about. Coach, you know the, the professional baseball is kind of, of, of recycling itself or reinventing itself. And a lot of these uh, prospects possibly could be uh, college baseball players feeding on to the major league. Do you think there's some movement there that could maybe help the game even more? Yeah, there was uh, before all this COVID stuff hit, there was uh, uh, the coaches were finally on board, I think, with pushing the season back. Uh, nationwide, I think coaches are starting to get on board and I think some ADs are starting to get on board. So I think eventually it's going to happen. Uh, I hope it's going to happen in my lifetime, you know, but I, I think there's a, there's a call for it. You know, it's, you got to change. If you're going to progress, you got to change, you know, if people are so resistant to change. 
So when I was, one of my last emails to all the coaches in the country who I felt were resistant to change, I sent them the video clip of Bryant Gumble and Katie Couric in 1980 on the Today Show talking about the internet. And they were going back and forth. And one of them said, have you, have you heard of this thing called internet? It's like a, a little A with a circle around it. And it's like some kind of cloud where you just store information that's available to everybody. And they say, yeah, I don't, I don't see that catching on. So if you don't change, you don't progress in anything. So our sport has been basically the same for 125 years, right? So uh, if we don't make changes, then it's not going to progress. And that was West Virginia coach Randy Mazie. Thanks for listening.